3: So, next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone.
4: Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson
5: low. Welcome to Buffy Las Vegas for the baseball betting show with myself, Craig Peterson. We've got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment going to be joined by Sean Zarell. He does amazing work over there at the Action Network. We're going to be taking a look at some of the games that we're going to be getting on Monday. But on top of that, we're going to be taking a look at sort of his approach to the trade deadline. And you'll find out with him that a lot of the hate is in the barn with regards to what he winds up doing to prepare for the trade deadline. A lot of that was actually done during the All-Star break by him. So we're going to be chatting about that with Sean's rule, and then in the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Monday. As we touch them all, first things first, always do love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. If you got one or two ways, we'll fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at gunit underscore 81. Keep in mind letters M. Maybe does not matter, so as per usual, please just send these into the timeline and the other way is find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated from there. You're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast. Find that five star review, really did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but we wound up having a great day of baseball on Sunday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. The games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the Rowdy Recap. As a very sizable favorite, the New York Yankees do wind up going down 8-6. to The final, the Kansas City Royals wind up getting it done as Clay Holmes wound up entering into the ninth inning with a one-run lead and could not hold it as he gives up three runs in two-thirds of an inning, allowing a home run along the way as Ron Madanacchio wind up allowing a home run in his inning of work as well, going deep for the Kansas City Royals. Salvador Perez in the ninth inning, 13th home run season under Dozier. He winds up getting his 10th as well as for the Yankees, Jordan Montgomery. Not a great start here. Gives up four runs over the course of four innings. From there, Albert Abreu, Wandy Peralta. Combined for two scoreless innings, Jonathan Luizga was able to give you a scoreless inning. Lucas Luki also able to give you an out on the bullpen. Meanwhile, for the Kansas City rails, you wind up having Zach Greinke not deliver a great start, giving up three runs over the course of five innings as he was taken deep by DJ Turner Up LeMayu, 11th home run season, then Anthony Rizzo later on, 25th home run season. That comes off of Dylan Coleman, who wound up getting a pair of outs out of the bullpen, allowing that home run to Taylor Clark, two scoreless innings out of the bullpen. Jose Cuas, along two three runs while getting just two outs out of the bullpen, but Amir Garrett able to give you a pair of outs as well. DK Nation pick was on the Baltimore Orioles, and the Bullpen well, plan was not necessarily itself. The Reds wind up being able to get a 3-2 to two win thanks to a home run off the bat of Brandon Drury. 20th home run season that comes off Felix Batista who entered into this game with a sub. A 155 ERA lost its home run in one and a third innings. And Austin Voth winds up delivering his best start of the year. Six punch outs, five scoreless innings, but Brian Baker lost two runs in a third of an inning. C.N.L. Perez Joey Cribo, they combine for four outs out of the bullpen. And for the Baltimore Orioles, Anthony Santander got his 19th home run season. That comes off of Alexis Diaz, who winds up allowing that solo run over the course of one and a third innings. Nick Lodolo, very good start for the Reds, winds up allowing just one run in six innings. Ever since he's come off the injured list, he has been good. And then you have Joe Kunal and Buck Farmer combined to be able to get the final five outs of the win. Something I haven't been able to say too often recently, the Boston Red Sox wind up being able to pick up a W. 7-2 72 against the Milwaukee Brewers. As for the Brewers, Hunter Renfro, the main bright spot for the team, he winds up getting his 19th home run of the team off of Josh Winkowski. And Winkowski lived up to the front half of that name as... Gets a win, being able to pitch five innings. Gives up that home run, but that's had nothing else. Get Woodlock, two scoreless settings out of the bullpen, and then John Schreiber along with Austin Davis. Both give you a scoreless setting in for Boston. No home runs, but they go six of 17 with Ben in scoring position. Aaron Ashby, he was under duress all game long as he wound up going four and two-thirds innings. Gives up five honored runs. Was hurt by a very bad long air error out there in the field. Hobie Milner from there. Might as giving up two runs while getting just two outs. Did that wind up having a squirrel signing out of both Brent Suter and Peter Strzezelski and John Gusave, Able to give you a pair of outs out of the bullpen as well. Low scoring game between the Braves and the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks Wind up falling by a count of 1-0 after Merrill Kelly. Wanted up delivering a great start in this one. 7 scoreless innings, Ian Kennedy. He gives you a scoreless setting And then Mark Melanson, who has not been good this year. He winds up lying the game-winning hit as Austin Riley. He just continues to do it. He winds up having an RBI hit in the ninth inning that allows the team to be able to get the job done as Max Fried. 7 scoreless innings, still Lee, Kenley Jansen. They come on for a scoreless setting in the Braves. Now 62-41. It has been absolutely magnificent to see what we've been able to get out of the Atlanta Braves as when they face off against the Diamondbacks on May thirty first. They were sitting there at twenty-three and twenty-seven. So ever since the beginning of the month of June, this has been a team that has went now thirty nine and fourteen with that win. You did wind up seeing the Blue Jays be able to take care of business against the Detroit Tigers by kind of four to one in the Peacock game, as for Detroit, Garadill Lions are getting lit up in this one. Four runs over the course of five innings surrendered as Matt Chapman gets his 20th home run of the season. He's been on a tear recently. For the Tigers, they keep this total under because they just continue to do what they do out there in the bullpen. Posts up, scoreless innings. Jason Foley, Alex Lang, day de Asus, where he will give you a scoreless inning. And Javi Baez, He gets his 7th home run season that comes off of Jose Barrios, who has been significantly better at home than on the road. Gives up just that home run over the course of 7 innings. Tim Mesa, Jordan Romano. They both are able to deliver a scoreless inning. The Philadelphia Phillies deliver a win. They take down the Pittsburgh Pirates by a count of 8-2. As for the Phillies, Aaron Ola, he was pretty super in this one. He's got an ERA barely above 2 on the road as he gives up one run over the course of 6 innings before. Juricic, Familia, and Marco Pell combine for... Three innings as Familia. He allows a run. He's been doing a lot of that. But Appel, two scoreless innings, And for the Philadelphia Phillies, Kyle Schwarber goes deep again. 33rd home run season. That comes off of JT Brubaker. And then Alec Boehm delivered the boom off of Dylan Peters. His seventh home run in the campaign. Peters allows that one run in one and two-thirds innings. Tyler Beatty should be looked at as a starter, in my opinion. Three scoreless innings, And Brubaker, well, he got baked in this one. He winds up giving up. 12 hits, 7 runs, all of which were earned over the course of 4 and a 3rd inning. So, Phillies, they wind up being a bust out in their state of Pennsylvania. The St. Louis Cardinals, they go on the road and they shut out the Washington Nationals. By a count of 5-0, Andre Pallante was nothing short of masterful. 8 scoreless settings before Ryan Elsley be, is able to deliver a scoreless setting of his own as it was a pair of unlikely guys and... Corey Dickerson, along with Paul DeYoung, that supplied much of the offense. Young, third home run season. Dickerson, his fourth, as those both come off of Josiah Gray, who at home this year is north of a 6-3 ERA. And on the road, a sub-25 ERA, giving up four runs over the course of five innings for Gray Jordan Weems. He lost one of those home runs. One run in total over the course of his two innings before Steve Ciszek was able to give you a scoreless inning along Corey Abbott, so uh, that was not so great for the Washington Nationals. This was not so great for one, Pablo Lopez of the Miami Marlins. The team was seven and three in his last ten starts, but he got destroyed, nine to three. The final, Lopez goes two and two thirds innings, giving up six runs and twelve hits. Meanwhile, you did wind up having three and a third innings out of the bullpen from Jake Fishman. Did not look at bad. Gave up one run as he did have two runs given up in two innings by Jeff Brigham before Zach Pop had things popping with a scoreless setting. For Miami, they wind up going one of ten with men in scoring position. Good news is Charles LeBlanc was able to get his first home run season. That one winds up coming off of Tymo Walker. Gives up three runs over the course of five and two thirds innings. Not his best outing, but either they'd have Steven Nagosic be able to give you two scoreless innings, on Lopez, a scoreless inning, and Tommy Enner. And out of the bullpen for the Mets to go to 64 and 37. So the NLEs. That is certainly eating up. Sunday night baseball is hot and heavy, and if you bet on Carlos Rodon, you bet correctly, 4-0. to zero. The San Francisco Giants wind up getting it done, as Rodon winds up giving up two hits, no walks, and ten strikeouts in seven innings. John Barbia, Camilio Duvall, they both give you a scoreless setting, and for the Giants, three of the line with the Bennett scoring position was enough for them, as you wind up having Adrian Sampson just get lit up in this game, four runs given up over the course of five innings. Credit to the Cubs bullpen. Four scoreless settings out of Brandon Hughes, Ron Wicks, Stephen Brault, and then you wound up having Eric Ullman also be able to contribute to the effort. You wound up also having the Walker Texas Rangers just continue the demise of the LA Angels. The Angels now 16-42 and in their last 58 games. Angels fall by a count of 5-2 to two as Dane Dunning is able to get her done and giving up two runs over the course of six innings. Brock Burke, two scoreless seconds out there in the bullpen before Jonathan Hernandez is able to lock things down in the ninth And for the Rangers. They get three runs in the ninth as the Angels they're hurt by Brandon Marsh Fielding here as Reed Demers, Actually a really good start. He goes seven innings. He gives up two runs, but only one of which was earned. Punching out 12. His swing and miss stuff has actually gone up quite a bit, but Jose Quijada has actually become one of the more trustworthy pieces out there in the Angels' bullpen. Gives up three runs while getting just one out. Ryan Teperov was able to give you a scoreless setting. Rossio Iglesias. Teperov outs out of the bullpen, and for the LA Angels, not a lot done for this bunch, as they, without Mike Trout, have really fun in terms of their offensive production. Houston Astros. Just enough offensive production on Sunday. They wind up taking down the Seattle Manors by a count of 3-2 for Seattle. George Kirby, not long for this game. He does get seven strikeouts, but gives up two runs along the way from there. Penn Murphy, two scoreless settings. Matt Brash, Paul Seawelt, Eric Swanson give you a scoreless inning. Before, it was Mr. Bernardino, Brennan Bernardino. He winds up allowing a run in the 10th inning, an unearned run. That allows the Astros to get the win. Jesse Winker won't form of offense for Seattle. ninth home run season. That comes off of Ryan Sandick, who has seen his ERA now balloon to a buck 24, giving up those two runs over the course of an inning. Jake Reezy though, really good start. 7 scoreless innings. 3-0 before Ryan Presley and Hector Naris provide scoreless ninth and 10th innings. The Chicago White Sox, they take it to the Oakland A's by kind count of 4-1, to one and... You don't see Cy Young bandwagon starting to fill up a little bit more. One run surrendered over the course of six innings by Cease. At one run, a Ramon Laureano solo shot. He winds up getting his 11th home run season, but for Adam Aller, you gotta holler at the fact that he wound up allowing two home runs, four runs in total over the course of six and a third innings. Going deep for the White Sox, you wound up having Eloy Menes get his 5th home run season and Jose Abreu his 12th as Joe Kelly, Kendall Graben, Liam Hendricks, they'll give you a scoreless inning. And for Oakland, he did wind up having Kirby Seed give you a pair of out of the bullpen. And Sam Selman was able to provide a scoreless inning of his own. The LA Dodgers, they provided a 7-3 win as Tony Gonsolin. What's that looked like himself since the All-Star break? Not a great start, not a bad start. He gives up three runs in five innings. Keep in mind, though, this is Coors Field. He did allow a home run to uh, the catcher and Brian Servin, his fourth home run season, but from there, the bullpen at his back, as Yancey Almonte, Alex Visia, combined for two scoreless settings, and then Phil Bickford and Craig Kimbrell were both able to give you a scoreless setting, in for Colorado, Adam Marquez's bad season continues. He's got north of a 6'5 ERA at home. Five runs, four of which were earned, give it up in his six innings of work. Robert Stevenson and Jake Bird both give you one inning, giving up a run before you wind up having a scroll setting out of Jordan Sheffield. And along the way, there was a home run, given up by Marquez to the new guy in James Outman. Outman, he was able to get his first home run of the campaign. So, give a little bit of credit where credit is due to a man with a great name on the Slam Diego Padres. They look great in this one, getting it done by a count of 3-2 against the Minnesota Twins. For Minnesota, Dylan, don't call him Al Bundy. Well, he pitched like Al Bundy, giving up three runs in five innings, including home run to in Profire, 11th home run season. From there, the bullpen was solid. Trevor Bengiel, Giovanni Morin, Emilio Pagan, they all give you a scoreless setting, but for San Diego, they wind up having Sean Manea look relatively solid. Gives up four hits in six innings, but Two of those hits, they did wind up flying over the fence as Kingsville home runs. Jose Miranda, 10th home run season, and Luis Arias gets his sixth, but did have Nebel, Chris Met, Tim Hill, and Luis Garcia all give you scoreless settings for the Padres to be able to get it done. The Cleveland Guardians says, north of $2 underdogs, they get it done against the Tampa Bay Rays by a count of 5-3. Shane McClanahan. Heard his Cy Young candidacy a little bit in this one. Five runs surrendered over the course of four and a third innings. From there, you did have the bullpen be able to pick him up. Brian Thompson, Sean Armstrong, they combine for a scoreless setting. Brooks Raley gives you a pair of outs out of the bullpen. Ralph Garza Jr., a scoreless inning, and Jalen Beeks, two scoreless innings. But for the Rays, they go just two of nine with men in scoring position as Kirk McCarty, the bull guy. A relatively good outing here. He gives up one run over the course of three and a third innings. Not good for the opener. And Ryan Shaw gives up two runs over the course of two innings, but James Karencheck, Trevor Steven, Emmanuel Class A all give you scoreless innings. And Eli Morgan was able to provide a pair of outs out of the bullpen. And you did wind up seeing in baseball just over the last week or so. Quite a few unders being able to hit as you take a look at the last 30 days in Major League Baseball. We've seen 190 unders, 272 overs. That is a 52.5% clip to the under in that time span. Favorites, they've been hitting right around 59 or so percent all season long, and that's what we've seen over the last 30 days. 58.9% hit rate for favorites, 218 and 152. But what has been really striking. Home favorites not being able to cover the run line. We have seen 47 home favorites over the last 30 days. Win by approximately one run. Did not cover the run line as home favorites. They have been relatively out over the last 30 days. 143 and 89. But the home favorites on the run line, they have only been able to hit in 96 of those. And overall for the season, we have been noticing this quite a bit as home favorites. They are overall 577 and 390. But among those 577 straight up wins for our home favorites, We have now seen 184 instances in which it has been by approximately one run and Favorites overall of the season, hitting at 59.8%, 907 and 610, and unders hitting at a 51.7% rate, 750 unders to 701 overs. So that's what we're seeing in baseball right now, and that's what we're going to be getting in the MLB on Sunday. So let's turn it forward to Monday, and let's take a look at the betting board with our good friend Sean Zerull. He does a great job over there at the Action Network and He's going to be joining me on the other side right here on the Baseball betting show with myself, Craig Peterson, and now a part of the Visa Family Podcast.
1: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus.
2: Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: At bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field.
2: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
5: And hey, we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast, and it is great to be joined by our guests. Sean Zarell is doing great work over there at the Action Network. You all know him and love him for his work out there in the MLB, but on top of that, I know that he wound up having a good time handicapping UFC 277. He long danced up, do a great job over there at the Action Network, taking a look at combat sports. So Sean doing a great job taking a look at a wide variety of things. And as always, Brian, whenever he's joining this podcast, great to get him back aboard and to be able to follow Sean on Twitter. As at Sean Zarilla. last name is spelled. Z-E-R-I-L-L-O, and then is Sean with an S-E-A-N. No H on there. And Sean, great to have you, board. Thank you.
7: Yeah, thanks for having me, Greg. Happy to join any time. Exciting times ahead in the next few days with the trade deadline coming up.
5: Absolutely is. And first things first, before we wind up diving into the card for Monday, what are you taking a look at in terms of the trade deadline? Because no doubt, this is going to be impacting a lot of futures prices that we wind up seeing. And we've seen one rather big move already with Luis Castillo. He winds up getting dealt from the Cincinnati Reds, he's heading over to the Seattle Mariners. That is no doubt going to be able to help them out. But are there any guys in particular that you have your eye on that you think might wind up getting moved or just teams in general that you think might wind up being buyers in this period? Yeah, you know, trying to
7: plan out futures in advance of the deadline. I always rerun my numbers around the all-star break. And from there, you have a two or three week window typically before the trade deadline where you can kind of figure out which teams should be buying, which teams should be selling. And maybe get ahead of the futures market. So I jumped in on some Mariners prices a couple of weeks back at 75 to one to win the world series. Obviously those are gone now, but every year at the all-star break, you should kind of figure out which teams are on the up could sneak into a wild card spot and may be worth investing in. If it looks like they're going to make some deals around the trade market, but once it comes to the trade downline itself, it's more reactionary for me. I kind of let everything sorted out and we'll have to, Give it another couple of days here. Normally, we'd know by now at July 31st at 4 p.m. is the deadline typically, but on a weekend this year. So they pushed it back a couple of days. We will certainly have more information, but I just try to be reactionary with it, see where everything falls, and then try to be one of the first to the market with my numbers and my updated projections for how I would rank these teams out, how I'd power rank them out and adjust accordingly with regards to attacking futures.
5: Yep, I take the exact same approach when it comes to college basketball as well. I don't wind up upgrading slash downgrading a team until we wind up actually seeing the move wind up happening. And I do think that this is the best approach to take. And You could think that the Sable's Cardinals wind up picking up on Soto. And hey, if they do wind up doing so, that's going to be a big boom for them. But you're sick of your chips in a basket of just completed utter mystery right there. So... I am right there with you. I think that it's best to just wind up letting the chips fall as they may, and then you wind up adjusting those lineups, rotations, what have you. When you do wind up seeing the trades wind up taking place as well, this is where home and road splits do wind up coming into play as well, because just because a team winds up trading for insert pitcher here doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to have the same numbers that they wind up having with their previous team as well. So I always think that those are important things. To wind up taking a look at it. taking a look at things right now after the All-Star break. We have seen one team that was looking like they were going to be buyers and looking like they were going to be very prevalent in the trade market wind up going down the toilet bowl. That would be the Boston Red Sox. They're going to be playing against the Houston Astros with Luis Garcia going for the Astros and Nathan Evaldi going for Boston. And for Boston, it's been a case this year which, against teams outside of the American League East, they're winning well over 60% of their games. Against teams in the American League East, they're winning well below 40% of their games, and it's been one of the more befuddling things I have ever seen in my life. Astros, no question they have been the more dominant team this season. I think that we might be starting to get up a little bit too loft here in terms of the money line. I think that this might be a spot where you probably want to be taking a look at more like a run line an alternative way to be able to attack the Astros. but I don't know about you but I've really had to downgrade the Boston Red Sox in terms of my power rankings especially with having Rafael Devers on the fold.
7: I really respect what the Red Sox have done this season bringing up all these rookies trying out all these rookie starters just in an effort to see what sticks ultimately it hasn't worked out but they did whatever they could to try to stay competitive for as long as possible so definitely commend the strategy that they took the approach they took being so aggressive with all these minor leaguers but seems like they're going to be clear sellers at the deadline have not downgraded them as much in season maybe as you would have obviously factoring out debers out of my lineup for my models but beyond that it's not like i've downgraded specific players haven't downgraded the team as a whole what i'm probably going to try to do in this game no value on the full game money line or total for me if i get a minus 170 or better On the first five innings with Houston, I'm probably going to take that. I see a minus 175 out there right now on the early numbers. So if it drops down below minus 170, I'm probably going to take Garcia. He just rates extremely well in my model. I've been very impressed by him. Guy I've been trying to gamble on for quite a number of years. I've been high on this Astros team and all their pitchers for a number of years. So still have Lance McCullers Jr. coming back into the fold at some point down the line. I think the Astros are obviously a major World Series contender would love to see them go out and land Josh Bell to kind of complete out their lineup.
5: I agree with you there. And for me, taking a look at this one, I would much rather have an Astros run line rather than a money line because with the Astros money line, I myself wound up setting it right in the neighborhood about a minus 178. So I, it's pretty much right on that number, but you want to try to reduce the juice if at all possible. And with Nathan Evaldi, no shortage of home runs surrendered by him as far as this season as well. So that's been a little bit of an issue and, Something else that has been interesting to take a look at because there are certain teams that you want to bet on the first five. There are certain teams that you want to bet on for the full game. A team that has been able to do a very solid job with their bullpen in terms of a full game perspective, that would be the Baltimore Orioles, a team that ranks in the top five in terms of bullpen ERA. They are going to have Spencer Watkins on the bump and John Gray getting away from Colorado. It has done wonders for him. This might be getting up a little bit too lofty, though, with the Texas Rangers. You're finding them between about a minus 160 to a minus 165 with a total of eight. Been incredibly impressed by John Gray this year. Been incredibly impressed by the Baltimore Orioles this season. And I do think that John Gray should be a bit of a favorite in this spot. I think that this is getting up a little bit too lofty for my liking, though. So I have it
7: projected right around 145, which is roughly where the Orioles are lined. So no bet on me for the full game. I am looking to Texas, though, again, in the first five innings. If I can get minus 165 or better, I'm going to play that. That number is actually available right now. So it's probably a number that I will lock in shortly on Gray against Watkins. Watkins is doing some things differently since he came back for the minor leagues, put up some good numbers in the minors. I think he's an improved pitcher and a pitcher who's going to continue to improve going forward. I think the Orioles are making tremendous adjustments with all their young players and getting them into peak condition and peak performance. But definitely like the direction the Orioles are headed. Unfortunately, they have one of the tougher schedules in baseball down the stretch. So maybe some tough times ahead over these final two months, but certainly encouraging signs moving forward into next season. But for Monday's game, the Rangers minus 165 or better on the first five would be a bet for me.
5: I think that that's interesting to take a look at as well, as we do have Sean Zarillo joining me on the podcast. does a great job over there at the Action Network because I just mentioned it with the Orioles, the fact that it is a bullpen that has been very solid. And I do like your approach there. Take a look at the Rangers for the first five rather than the full game because I certainly do think that John Grape has an advantage over Spencer Watkins in terms of the starting pitching matchup. I do take a look at the bullpens of both of these teams, and I think that it's very fair to give the Orioles Quite a bit of an advantage here. To your point, you said that you wound up having this right around the Orioles being a plus 145-ish underdog or so for the entirety of the game, and that's right where I sit as well. But I do think that it is interesting to take a look at some of these teams for the first five rather than a full game and how you wind up approaching them. And have you found yourself with the Baltimore Orioles being willing to take them a little bit more on a full game rather than a first five or vice versa much more willing to fade them on a first five rather than a full game because I take a look at the way the Orioles have been playing and been very impressed by the bullpen even though the starting pitching hasn't necessarily been too tremendous.
7: Right. They have guys like Jordan Lyles and Spencer Watkins and guys with these projected ERAs of around five who they end up trotting out there. Dean Kramer as well, who just don't have great projections below league average projections out of the starting rotation, but their bullpen is much better. They can certainly hit. They're also a team to look at to bet live in the middle of the game if they're tied or down a run after five innings. They've been coming back on teams consistently, not necessarily because their offense is so dynamic. They have a good offense, but it's because their bullpen is able to hold you down. So if you don't score, and they end up scoring, it's going to look like a comeback win, but it might have been more to do with the bullpen than the offense. So definitely like the Orioles, like the direction they're headed, as I said. But I like this Rangers team too. This Rangers team has a bunch of young hitters who are all pretty tremendous. And one sneaky thing that I've noticed about the Rangers, which is why I like them going forward, they're pretty loaded at the catching position. They have a lot of thump that they can provide out of that catcher spot, which is typically not a position where you get a lot of offense from. So if they develop the players around – that, I really like what they're getting out of Jonah High. I'm having Mitch Garber there, too. The Rangers are an interesting team to me. They're about a couple pieces away from contending for a wild card next year.
5: I do agree with you there. Sam Huff has also been very solid for the Texas Rangers team, so that has been very encouraging for them. Now, Corey Seager being out of the full the last few days, that does wind up hurting this Rangers team a little bit, but even without him, guys like Adelise Garcia and company, they certainly have been able to do a solid job. So certainly some upside when it comes to the uh, – when it comes to the Rangers and here's the most lopsided game that I am seeing right now, Mets versus Washington Nationals, Patrick Corbin, who if you want to take the over at his last start, in the Dodgers versus the Washington Nationals game. Hopefully you take the first five and not the full game, because that was a bad beat on the full game. It was 6-0 on the bottom of the first. Doesn't wind up getting there. He's going to be going out there against Max Scherzer, who ever since he's come off the injured list, he's had a buck 30 ERA. He's been absolutely tremendous. We're seeing a total of 7.5. We're seeing the Mets being right around a minus 250 favorite. I don't know about you, but I do not have the stones to take Patrick Corbin and how well not great he has been thus far this season. But I am a little bit curious about this seven and a half total because with Patrick Corbin, I he wanted him showing it in that game against the Dodgers. He can do a lot of damage all by himself with regards to the total. And even with Max Scherzer out there, this feels a little bit too low for me. I'm not sure where you wind up standing on this one, but I have a feeling that the Mets, after they wound up putting a hurting on the Miami Marlins on Sunday, I think that they're going to be able to translate that over to Monday.
7: Yeah, I completely agree with you. With regards to the total, I set this closer at 8.5, so definitely low at 7.5. There's even some 7.5 plus money out there. So I would certainly like the over here. I'm probably going to like the first five innings over as well. I haven't looked deeper into that. But with that, I would certainly prefer to take the Mets team total over for the first five innings instead of just the game team total over. Don't want to factor in Scherzer to that equation. But the full game total over 7.5, most certainly going to be a bet for me. It's just too low for that park. That is an offensive-leaning park. Unless there is some weather factor, wind factor that I haven't realized yet that would force me to bring the total down, I would have to bet the over 7.5. As for side, I think it is slightly overinflated towards the Nationals. The book certainly wants you to take the Nationals and they're going to overjuice the Mets side of this line. So the Nats at about plus 207 or better would technically be a value play for me. I would wait for it to come up. Do not want to put my money behind Patrick Corbin. Certainly prefer the over.
5: Yeah, I'm right there with you. If you're looking at either the Nationals or the over, I would certainly look at the over a little bit as well. And with Max Scherzer, even for how tremendous he is, a sub 140-year A since he's come off the injured list. Even for him, that's a little bit hard to sustain. As well as the Nationals, they've been able to get on base. Just been a case in which they have not been able to get the deep ball going. And, Sean, taking a look at the board for Monday, a little bit more of a dry card because we do have quite a few teams that are traveling for their next series coming up this week. Is there anything else that you're taking a look at, whether it be something that you might want to take a look at a little bit more in the AM or a bet that you're looking at overnight? I'm probably
7: going to end up firing on the Royals overnight. They were good to me during that series in New York, in the Bronx against the Yankees. I think they're playing well. They have some decent young hitters on that team. Salvi Perez being back in the lineup certainly helps of late too, but I just projected this line closer to about 42, 43% for both the first five innings and the full game. So I like the Royals in both halves. Michael Kopech definitely dipping lately, seeing a dip in his velocity, seeing a dip in his underlying stuff metrics. Definitely think the Royals and White Sox matchup is closer than that line would indicate, just a bit wide for my liking. So plus 155 full game, plus 140 first five innings. Those are both very solid bets on the overnight, in my opinion. I would play either of them down to about plus 140.
5: It certainly has been a case where the Royals have been able to shape up a little bit more, even with the trade of Andrew Hey, It winds up giving some of their young guys, and they've got very good prospects, getting some opportunities in for Brad Keller. Being able to reduce the walks for him a little bit, that has been able to help him out this season. And a man that is always very helpful for us whenever he joins this podcast, that be you, Sean. You do a great job over there at the Action Network taking a look at the game of baseball. And on top of that, I know that you do a great job handicapping the UFC, and we wound up having a big card over the weekend in that area as well. So love the good people at home. they're able to follow you on social media and everything that you've got going on in general. I appreciate that, Greg. Thank you for having me as always. I mean, you
7: mentioned my Twitter at Sean Zarello. You can find All of my content, all of my interviews, this will be retweeted up there. Anything that I do, you can find on my Twitter feed. So, other than that, log into your picks in the Action Network app. That's all that I got. You can find all of my bets for free in the Action Network app.
5: And Sean does an amazing job taking a look at the game of baseball, recaps everything nightly on his Twitter feed as well, which you always love to see. And Sean, one of the best minds that you're going to find out there, handicapping the game of baseball, always brings it. whatever he joins me, whether it be on this show or on VEASAN as well, and did so once again today. So big thanks, him for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VEASAN Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast that give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Monday as we touch them all.
3: He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed.
1: Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts.
4: If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools
3: I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one, contest. Yeah, I, Yeah, because you gotta think, Love he's it. gonna guard. He don't care about guarding. He's gonna guard. He's going to exactly. guard, like, you see him in the <laughs> Olympics, he's going to guard, and then on I'm top not of that. like that, see
2: that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to point
3: game. I remember you came out from crying, tears, <laughs> crying. Tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock, and then he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember
4: what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college, because he didn't admit it? <laughs>
2: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson.
5: And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the VEATS family podcast. Great to get Sean Zarrillo on the show. does a great job over there at the Action Network. On top of all of his great baseball work, does a terrific job being able to handicap the UFC. So it is always a pleasure to be able to get him aboard. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Monday as we touch them all.
7: If a game is listed on the
0: betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all.
5: Do note that, as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed, at GUnit underscore 81. We are going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we wind up going with the National League games first, then the American League games, Any the League games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. We've got a few games that are off the board, and you know, the first one that we've got, that is one of them. As we wind up going, 9 902 one 9 2 on the betting board. It is the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on the Cincinnati. And they are under the road to face off against the Miami Merlin, says... It is going to be Under Green who's going to be going for the Cincinnati Reds to be determined is on the bump for the Miami Marlins, but it looks as though we're going to be getting Ace Luce Lazardo in this start who has not made a start since April, but has made a couple minor league appearances to be able to ramp back up. And if it is Lazardo against Green, I did want to making the Marlins a minus 116 favor with a total of 7.8. So seven after less going to be looking at an over eight or higher to the under. Very befuddling spot because you do have a Reds bullpen that is currently dead last in the big leagues in terms of VRA and Alexis Diaz. Really, their only reliable reliever. He wound up getting used up for north of 20 pitches yesterday, so that's a little bit of an issue. We also got a Miami Marlins lineup that right now they're without Jazz Chislam and Ode Solera, their top two home run hitters. These guys have been out for quite a while. Garrett Cooper sitting right around 280. He's currently on the injured list as well, so that is certainly a little bit of an issue. Asus Aguiar has been able to give the team. 12 home runs this season along with Asu Sanchez, but Sanchez hitting just a 2.04 for this bunch. And then take a look past that. Brian De La Cruz, Jacob Stallings, and Diaz. These guys are only a 2.20 or lower as well. Miguel Roas is back in the fold. He's hitting nearly a 2.50 for this bunch. And you've been able to have Joey Wendell hit right around 2.80 as well. So these guys have been able to do an okay job. And for the Cincinnati Reds, Leslie Wines is getting traded. Brandon new Drury, he's been able to do a solid job hitting for a 2.75. He's been able to slug out. 20 home runs this far this season. Tommy Pham has been able to give the team right around a 320ish on base. You have seen Joey Votto pick it up in recent days as well, but they did want to trading away Taylor and Naquin as well. Jonathan India, though, got to take note, he has gotten hot. He and Matt Reynolds for the year hitting between about a 255 to a 265, but for India, over the last three days, 350 on base, and if you narrow it down to the last 15 days, he has been able to slow out four home runs, hitting over a 340. So He's been able to do a relatively solid job for Hunter Green, though. He's been giving up right around 2.1 home runs, Per nine innings, his strikeouts per nine rate hovers in the neighborhood of 11, so he's been solid there. And then with Asus Cesardo, when he's been up at the big league level this season, he has given up four home runs over the course of 29 innings. Those wind up dating all the way back to April, though, so. And it's been quite a while since we have seen him. In his minor league appearances, though, he was able to do a relatively solid job. I do like what I wound up seeing there. Only getting right around nine or so strikeouts per nine innings. His swing and miss stuff wasn't quite there. But a two thirty one ERA wanted going 11 and two-thirds innings in three starts. So you got to figure that the bullpen is going to be involved with this. Anthony Bass has been able to give this team an ERA that is sub two. Richard Blyer, Dylan Floro, both of these guys now have right around three-ish ERAs. They did wind up having to go into their bullpen. Quite a bit yesterday because against the Mets, well, Pablo Lopez wound up only being able to get eight outs for the team. But uh, the guys that they wound up throwing out there are more of the long relievers for this team. So, did wind up saying, but told to wear a 7.5 or less. Looking over an 8 or higher to the under end with the Marlins. Wanted to lay up to a minus 116 with them. 903, 904 on the betting board is going to be the DK Nation pick. As we've got the New York Mets there on the road. They're facing off against the Washington Nationals. Patrick Corbin is going to be on the bump for the Nationals, and Mad Max Scherzer is going to be on the bump for the Mets. The Mets are finding themselves as a big favorite, anywhere between minus 230 and minus 255. Meanwhile, take a look at the Nats. Going to be getting them anywhere between plus 205 and plus 215. 7.5 is your total. Over and under are both at minus 110. And if you're taking a look at the run line, we are going to be laying anywhere between minus 135 and minus 140 on run and half with the New York Mets. I made the Mets minus 242 on the money line, but will only lay up to a minus 155 on the run line because I think that this is going to be a higher scoring game. Semi-total at an 8.7, and that is the DK Nation pick. I am looking at the over in this spot because, well, Patrick Corbin has been downright terrible this year. He has made 21 starts for the Washington Nationals. The team is 4-17 and in his starts. And in those 17 losses, 15 of them have been by multiple runs. The guy gave up six runs and got two outs against the Dodgers in his last start. And for that matter, he's given up at least four runs in each out of his last four starts here in the month of July. So now we've wound up during the calendar forward to August. So in the month of July, seven ninety nine ERA, giving up a grand total of just four home runs of twenty three and two thirds innings. But the thing was, his hits per nine rate was hovering right in the neighborhood about sixteen overall for the season. Opponents are dollars three twenty four off of him. But now the ERA actually falls to a four ninety four when he is at home. You take a look at Max Scherzer. On the flip side, he should be able to do a rock solid job for this team. Two runs are fierce rendered in every one of his five starts ever since he's come off the under list. And I mean, my goodness, ever since. He's come off the injured list. He's got a buck 39 ERA. He has been very good for the team. Gotta expect a little bit of regression here. You do have a Washington Nationals team that they are in the top half of the big leagues in terms of adding average out. They did want to get shutout yesterday against the St. Louis Cardinals, but you do have guys who are able to get on base for you. Cesar Hernandez, Juan Soto, Nelson Cruz, Lane Thomas, all these guys in between about a 230 to a 243 for Soto. He has been able to give you 20 home runs this season. Josh Bell, 13 home runs, sitting at 300. Problem for the Nationals has been the fact that they are currently dead last in the the National League in terms of home runs on a per-game basis. And for the Nationals, over so the last 45 days, bullpen has been league average in terms of ERA, but you still have Kyle Finnegan north of a 3-5 ERA. I don't have any faith that Hunter Harvey is going to be able to keep up his 2-5 ERA. Victor Rano Steve Ciszek, both of these guys, are providing an ERA that is north of a 3-6 as well. So it's a little bit of an issue for this bunch. And then you do take a look at the flip side for the New York Mets. Bullpen overall for the year, right around 10th in terms of ERA. Once again, they are dealing with a few guys that have seen a little bit of regression. Drew Smith is now on the injured list for this bunch. Edwin Diaz has been absolutely tremendous for this team. Adam Adovino, Tommy Hunter, both of these guys a sub for ERA themselves. But Seth Lugo has seen his ERA go to right around. A three four as well. And for the Mets, you do have that guy by the name of Pete Alonso, led the big leagues in a home runs on the road last season. Twenty-six bombs, league leading eighty-five RBI. Francisco Lindor has driven in 70. And as far this season, you've got quite a few guys who are able to move the line as well. And Brandon Nimmo along with Lindor Marcana, only in between about a 262, 271. Jeff McNeil is able to two ninety-five as well. So I do wind up saying the Mets is a very empty favorite. I'm gonna be looking at the run line just because the way that Patrick Corbin has been performing, it's been much more profitable to be able to take the run line because most of the losses that the Nats have had with them on the mound have been by multiple runs, but the DK Nation pick going to be on the over semi-total at an 8.7905906 on the betting board. It is the Colorado Rockies. They're on the road facing off against the Slam Diego Padres. Mike Clevenger is going to be going for the pause, and Antonio Sanzatella. He's going to be on the bump for Colorado. Toronto's game is 7.5 over and under any 14 minus 105 and minus 115 when it comes to the pause, You're going to be getting them between minus $2 and minus two twenty. Meanwhile, with Colorado, it's any routine plus 175. And plus two dollars, and with the Rockies, you got a guy in Antonio Sensatella is so allowing opponents to hit north of a three forty off of him. So I would need at least a two hundred eight to be able to take a shot here. Now the question becomes the run line. Right now I'm finding it at even money. I was willing to lay up to a minus one hundred eight. So this is going to be one of the spots which I'm going to be taking a look at the run line just because Antonio Sensatella, he does wind up giving up so much contact that it is going to allow the Padres a chance to be able to win this game by multiple runs. Now with the Padres entering into the weekend, they were scoring the fierce runs per game of any National League team at home thus far this season, but you have seen Manny Machado really being able to shape up. He's hitting overall for the year right around 295 it was a little bit of a July to forget, but he wound up having two home runs in that series against the Minnesota Twins. You know, is 18 overall this season. Awesome. Kim over the last three days, he's actually been able to do a very solid job for this team being able to move the line, hitting above a 275 in this time span as he jerks some pro far. You're able to throw in there Jake Cronenworth, CJ Abrams, they're in between about a 234 to a 245 you've been able to see Noel Mazar and Faro Afaro hit right around a 275 as well, Now with the San Diego Padres. Taylor Rogers was rock solid in the bullpen to begin the season. He has seen some progression. He's still been able to give the team 28 saves, but a 435 ERA to go along with it. And about Krisman, sub 3 ERA, he's able to give you multiple Innings and Luis Garcia, 332 ERA. But I do take a look at Mike Clevenger and I do think that he's going to be able to line a relatively solid start. It's actually been a little bit worse at home rather than on the road. posting up a 354 home ERA compared to a 327 ERA on the road. But starting to get those swings and misses back. He's been getting nine strikeouts per nine innings, walks per nine rate sub three as well. So he's been able to hold down the fort for that matter. He's been giving up a right around a home run per nine innings has been a little bit touch and go for him thus far this season, but I think that he's going to be able to go out and dominate the Colorado Rockies team, which they're averaging right around 5.7 5.7 to 5.8 runs per game at home. And then when they wind up hitting the road, they wind up having that shrink to right around about a 3.2. But the biggest thing for them is that they wind up getting right around 1.2 home runs per game at home. Meanwhile, on the road, that winds going to 0.6. you got like CJ Krohn, for example. He wound up entering into the weekend with 22 home runs as far this season. 16 of them have wound up coming at home. Brandon Rodgers, He's got nine home runs this season. All of them have come at home. And then you got guys like a Randall Gritchick, who wound up stepping up in that series against the L.A. Dodgers. He's currently hitting about a buck eighty on the road at home. That is north of a 275. seventy have got some big splits there. And even with the bullpen, someone like Lucas Gilbreth, who has been able to give you a sub-2 ERA at home on the road, that winds up ballooning to north of a 6. Daniel Bard has been able to do a very solid job for the team overall, along with Alex Calme. But when it comes to Antonio Cezatella, no faith in him. Being able to just reduce the contact, and quite honestly, he's just so lucky that his ERA is not like north of seven. He's got a 490 ERA overall. Strike per nine rate. That is hovering right in the neighborhood of about five and a half ish. He's been giving up less than home run per nine innings, despite the fact that opponents are getting a 359 off of him. This is a 355 on the road. And on the road, he does have a 657 ERA. So yeah, seeing all the contact that he's given up really hurt him a little bit more on the road rather than at home, but really hard to stick your chips in the basket of a guy that is giving up that much contact in general with the Padres. Finding them with a run line. Now it's circa actually at a plus 110, so being able to get plus money there, I'm going to be willing to take that. Did wind up saying my total at a 7.9 because San Diego very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark, and I do think that both of these bullpens are going to be able to do a relatively solid job, but that said, I do think that the Padres are going to be able to do the death-by-a-million cuts sort of approach to be able to get this total over, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Padres' run line. 907, 908 on the betting board. You got the LA Dodgers. They are going to be on the road facing off against the San Francisco Giants as Logan Webb is going to be going going for the Giants and Andrew Heaney is on the bump for the Dodgers. The Dodgers are finding themselves between minus 126 and minus 140 favorites. Meanwhile with the Giants, you're finding them and between plus 115 and plus 118 with 7.5 being your total. The over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. We've noticed that teams coming off of Sunday Night Baseball, they have been well, shall we say, absolutely atrocious this season. But there is one thing that has also been absolutely atrocious. Teams trying to go up against Logan Webb when he winds up pitching at home. As in his appearances the last two seasons, he has pitched 24 times at home in some sort of a capacity outside of the playoffs. So, in these 24 appearances, the Giants are 22-2. and two. Now, I the win percentage of teams coming off of Sunday night Baseball, it's low. It's not... ...quite down to like 10% or anything like that. So you sort of have two things at work here. Andreini, just someone that I really can't trust in... For the LA Dodgers, now he does have a zero forty seven ERA. This is a small sample size, so he made two starts in April, one start in June, and then you've got the start against the Washington Nationals in which he wound up going four scoreless settings. Now he is backed up by a bullpen that is one of the top out there in the National League. Only the Braves have a better bullpen ERA than the LA Dodgers, has Yancey Almonte along with Evan Phillips. Both of these guys have been able to give you a sub two ERA. The team did wind up trading for Chris Martin, but and Chris Martin he's got north of a four ERA. I don't think that that's necessarily going to be a fire starter for them. You've got Caleb Ferguson, who's been able to do a solid job. And for the San Francisco Giants, bottom eight In the league in terms of bullpen ERA, but you do have John Brebbia, Jarlon Garcia, Camilo Duvall, all these guys posting up a sub 3-5 ERA, and I'm not sure how these San Francisco Giants are doing it, but I mean, they're a team that they rank in the top 6 in terms of runs per game, despite the fact that you've got guys like Mikey Stromsky, Brandon Belt, you're able to throw in there, someone like Austin Wins, really the entirety of the catcher spot, Lamonte Wade Jr., all these guys hitting between about a 235 and lower. You have had Luis Garcia, Austin Slater in the outfield, both hitting above a 275. When he's been out there and he got his start yesterday, Tommy LaSalle's been solid, but Jock Peterson has been out of the fold for much of the second half of the season. And then on the flip side for the LA Dodgers, you do have guys that are able to match for the same as Mookie Betts at the top of the fold. He has been absolutely incredible for the team, hitting 23 home runs, has been a machine at just being able to get on base in general along Trey Turner and Freddie Freeman. Both of these guys entering into Sunday between 15 and 16 home runs apiece. Will Smith also between 15 and 16 home runs of his own, but with that said, with Turner and Freeman, both of these guys hitting at least a 309. the bottom of the fold has been a little bit tougher for the LA Dodgers as Jake Lamb has been a little bit intermiss. or miss. You've got Max Muncy, Cody Bellinger, both hitting a 210 or lower, but I mean, all of a sudden, now you've got guys like a James Outman, who he has the word outright in his name, but wanted up a home run yesterday going 3 of 4, so Dodgers, they just wind up being able to find these guys on trees, but Logan Webb has been absolutely dominant at home the last few seasons as well and with Andrew Heaney. Certainly has been able to do a solid job recently, but small sample size compared to Webb in his 11 starts at home this season. 243 ERA giving up just one home run in 66 and two-thirds innings, and throughout his career, has actually been very solid against LA in his first start of the season against the Dodgers. Gives up one run over the course of six innings. I do feel like the Giants should have been a little bit of an underdog here. I was willing to take anything north of plus 115. Oftentimes do not ride with a team that wound up playing on Sunday Night Baseball. I'm going to do it here. Did wind up saying Matola at a 7.2 as well. I think that Webb winds up shutting down the LA Dodgers in a very pitcher-friendly ballpark and I think that Heaney winds up continuing his good marks as well. So, looking at the under and looking at a plus price with San Francisco. 909.910 on the betting board. The New York Yankees, they are going to be playing us to the Seattle Mariners as Marco Gonzalez is going to be going For Seattle and Domingo Herman is going to be going for the Yankees. The Yankees are a big favorite. Anywhere team minus 170 and minus 205. So this is varying from across the board. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Seattle, Anywhere team plus 155 and plus 175 is your price on them. Nine is your total. Over is minus 115 and the under is minus 105. I do feel like the Yankees should be a sizable favorite, set them at a minus 193 on the money line. If you're taking a look at the run line of the Yankees, getting it between a plus 105 to a plus 115, I was willing to lay up to a minus 105 with this run line price, so I'm going to be willing to take the New York Yankees to be able to bounce back, and a big reason why I'm willing to take the Yankees to be able to bounce back is, what do the Yankees do better than anyone else in the big leagues? Hit home runs. They're going up against a guy, Marco Gonzalez, in which he's given up right around 1.4 home runs per nine innings overall for the season. And on the road, his home runs per nine rate, that winds going up north of a one and a half. And with Marco Gonzalez, his walks per nine inning rate during the COVID-shortened year of 2020 wound up being one of the best in MLB history. That has ballooned ever since. and has. As far as this year, he's been giving up right in the neighborhood about 2.8, 2.9 walks. Per nine innings, his strikeouts just are not there either. This is someone that is getting his about 4.8 strikeouts nine innings. It's actually a wonder that his ERA is not any higher than it is right now. As you a look at Gonzalez on the road, only a 3.83 road ERA compared to a 3.55 home ERA. I do think that he is doing for a lot of negative regression and for Domingo Armand wanted up being a very rough for start for him when he wanted going up against the Houston Astros giving up five runs in three innings. Looked a little bit better in his last start on the road against the Mets. Not terrific, but two runs given up in four and two-thirds innings and this is a Yankees bullpen that we are seeing some signs of worry with. Clay Holmes, he winds Of giving up quite a few runs yesterday that knocks him out for today's game. But with that said, you've had Clark Schmidt do a very solid job in long relief. They did wind up having to use up a run at yesterday, but Lucas Lutke, he has actually been tremendous. Posting up overall for the year, a 270 ERA, but if you take it pretty much from May on, this guy has been lights out as he wound up having a 491 ERA in April, a 720 ERA, the month of May, but June and July combined about a buck 15 ERA, so he has been absolutely nails for this team. He's been able to get some good innings out of Juan Peralta as well. He's posting up a 235 ERA. He did wind up getting used up a little bit towards the weekend as well, but with the New York Yankees, you currently have... Anthony Rizzo and Aaron Judge plusing up a combined 67 home runs obviously 42 of them via Aaron Judge but I mean these two guys by themselves have five more home runs than the Detroit Tigers do as a collective and you've got guys that are able to move the line as well Matt Carpenter, he's got 15 home runs and 109 at 109 at-bats, and is hitting a 320. It has been ridiculous to take a look at him. You've got Gleyber Torres, Jose Trevino, Isaac kinnear Falatha, running between about a 255-270. DJ turning up LeMayu, a 390 on base. And then for the Seattle Mariners, Julio Rodriguez, he's currently dealing with an injury. That is not necessarily too tremendous for this bunch. J.P. Crawford has been able to move the line. He's hitting a 265, and I did wind up having to move, make about a 20-cent move because Julio Rodriguez is currently dealing with injury after he wound up getting hit by the pitch you <laughs> over the weekend against the Houston Astros. Because now you wind up having Jared Kelnick get called up to the big leagues. He, Cal Raleigh, able to throw in their Lewis Torrance, Abraham Toro, Carlos Santana, all these guys are in a two fifteen or lower end. And Eugenio Suarez, right now your main form of power for this team. He has been able to give the team 16 home runs in a two thirty. Former rookie of the year Kyle Lewis, not playing like a buck 80 batting average out. The one thing with the Seattle Manors, nails bullpen. They've gotten bullpen ERA over the last 40 days that hovers right in the neighborhood Two Ryan Baruki has been solid ever since they wound up picking in up, Andres Munoz, Diego Castillo. after they wound up having absolutely terrible starts to the season. These two guys over the last 30 days have been posting up sub-175 ERAs. You've been able to get some good endings out of Eric Swanson, Paul Seawald as well, but I have a fear that Marco Gonzalez is going to be giving up quite a few runs in this start. I think that Domingo Armand, he's starting to find it a little bit more as well, so I'm going to be willing to take the Yankees on the run line, banking on them being able to get some long balls. Did wind up setting my total at an 8.3 as well, with the Seattle Mariners having a little bit of a depleted lineup of their so I'm going to be taking a look at the total under and I'm going to be taking a look at the Yankees on the road line. 9-11, 9 on the betting board, the Detroit Tigers. They're on the road facing off against the Minnesota Twins. To be determined, is going to be going for the Minnesota Twins and Derek Scubill is going to be on the bump for Detroit I am thinking that it's going to be Chris Archer in this spot for the Twins. Not that it's subject to change, but if we get Mr. Archer against Tariq Skubo, I'd be making the Tigers a plus-142 underdog with a total of 8.2 to wear an 8 or less, looking at an over, and an a or higher to the under. I'd be willing to make the Twins a little bit more of a favorite if they do have someone like a Josh Winder wind up getting the start. If it winds up being a bullpen game, it would be saying relatively status quo here. Maybe a little bit of a move up or down, but... If you do wind up getting Chris Archer, he has won five innings or fewer in every single start this season coming off of a start in which he wound up giving six walks up in three innings against the Milwaukee Brewers, so you really do have to be handicapping the bullpen regardless of who winds up starting here, and you do have a Twins bullpen that, I'm not going to say it's great, I'm not going to say it's terrible, as you do have Trevor McGill, Giovanni Morin, along with Johan Duran, all giving you a 2.20 ERA or better, and for Duren he's able to give you multiple innings out of the pen. Griffin Jackson, is someone that's able to give you a little bit of length as well. He has won 47 Two thirds innings in thirty-seven appearances, posting up right around a three ERA. Joel Cotton is able to give you multiple innings; he's posting up right around a three oh five ERA as well. So these guys have actually been pretty solid. And for the Minnesota Twins, your main form of power right now that'd be Byron Buxton. He's getting a home run every about twelve or so at bats, but the problem is. Entering into Sunday was only hitting about at 220, so you need that to wind up going upward. But you've got guys who are able to get on base for you guys. You do have Luis Arias, he's hitting at 333. They've actually bumped him down to right around the sixth spot, which I find to be a little bit befuddling because I mean, he does such a good job as a table setter. But that's a conversation for another day, they have decided to pick up Tim Beckham off and of scrap. people. You shall see what he winds up having in the tank. But you know that Kyle Garlick. Carlos Correa, Gilberto Cicino, able to throw in there. Jose Miranda are going to be able to get on base all these guys in between about a 262 to a 276. And you've able above, Ode Palanco be able to give you 14 home runs thus far this season. Then on the flip side for the Detroit Tigers, the team ranks in the top five in terms of bullpen ERA. They did wind up having to use up their bullpen for quite a few innings over the weekend against the Toronto Blue Jays. But and you just take a look at all these guys, someone like an Anel Dele, De Asus. He only wound up having to throw six pitches yesterday. Jason Foley had to throw eight pitches. So these guys are relatively rested. Michael Fulmer is able to give you multiple innings. And for Tariq Skubo, it is a case in which he has been just getting a little bit unlucky recently. Overall for the season, a three sixty seven ERA. And take a look at what he wound up doing in the months of June and July. He wound up having a combined ERA hovering in the neighborhood about a four fifty. But has been able to shape up recently in his last five starts, giving up three or months at 28 and two-thirds innings, three forty five ERA. Felt like he was just getting a little bit unlucky on both in play during the months of, shall we say, June into early July. He has been able to shape up ever since, like giving up two runs or fewer, and now three out of his last four starts. And the last three runs that he wanted giving up were all under runs, and has always been able to do a solid job of not walking guys thus far this season, giving up right around 2.2 to 2.3 walks per nine innings, keeping the ball in the yard, giving up right around .7 home runs per nine innings. Problem is for the Detroit Tigers, you just have absolutely nobody whatsoever. That's able to move the line for the team as right now Spencer Torkelson is currently in the Minor legs because he was a big giant bust-a-rooney, and then you've got Akil Badu, Cody Clements, Javi Baez, Jameer Candelario, Robbie Grossman, Tucker Barnard, Jonathan Scope, all these guys in a 221 or lower. Fortunately, you now have two guys with approximately 10 home runs, and Avi bias and Jim Candelario, but I mean, the team has 62 home runs. Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo have a combined 67, so that's an issue. They wind up saying the Tigers had a plus 142 if it is. Archer versus Google, and an eight or less, we'll be looking at over eight and a half prior to the under. Possibly some changes if we wind up seeing a bullpen game, and like I said, if we wind up getting Josh Winder, one we'll want to set the Twins a little bit higher of a favorite. 913, 914 on the betting board. The Baltimore Royals hit third face faceoff against the Walker-Texas Rangers. 55 shades of John Gray is going to be going for the Rangers and Spencer Watkins is on the bump for the Orioles. Baltimore is finding themselves between a plus 143, see as high as a plus 150 price for them as an underdog. Meanwhile, with Texas, they are back to being a favorite. And between minus 159 and minus 178. Eight is your total. The over is anywhere between minus 105, minus 120. The under is anywhere between even and minus 115. And with the Orioles, I needed at least a plus 147 to be able to take a shot. I'm seeing some value here with the Baltimore Orioles, even though they did wind up having a little bit of a falter yesterday with their bullpen. This is silly team that is in the top 5 overall in terms of bullpen ERA. Felix Bautista is giving up the home run yesterday, but with that said, you're able to throw on there. He, Keegan Aiken, pass Joey Creeble, CNL Perez, Dylan Tate, Ode Lopez. All these guys have been able to post up a 2-4 ERA or better. And for the Texas Rangers, ever since Joe has went out with an injury, the Rangers have not necessarily been a great bullpen. They are a team that currently they are in the bottom 12 in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA over the last 40 days. You've really seen Garrett Richards and Dennis Santana go straight down the toilet pole. For Santana, he's got an ERA of 15 over the last 30 days, and for Richards, it's more in the neighborhood of 10. Now, with the Texas Rangers, they have to deal with a little bit of an injury to Corey Seager, one of missing the series against the LA Angels, and that's big because he's been able to hit right around 240 with 23 home runs thus far this season, but was mentioned by our good friend, Sean Zarrillo. The catcher spot has been very good for the team. Sam Huff, Jonah Heim, both of these guys, hitting above a 250 and in the case of Heim, he and Nate Lowe have been able to do a good job of being able to go deep. Heim has been able to give you 12 bombs. Low is hitting a 275. He's been able to go deep 15 times. Adelis Garcia, he's hitting about a 250. 18 bombs out of him. Ezekiel Duran has been able to move the line as he and Marcus Simeon both hitting right around 240 and for Simeon. He had a home run in the series against the Angels as well. And for John Gray, he has been able to do a great job of being able to get some strikeouts. He's now averaging right around 10 plus per nine innings, giving up just one home run per nine. And he's a walks, not necessarily too demonstrative. And he's been better at home rather than on the road. 293 home area. 391 ERA on the road, giving up four home runs in 30 and two-thirds innings when he has been at home with opponents overall this season, only about a 219 off of him. And for Spencer Watkins, since coming up from the minor leagues, he has been able to do a very solid job. This guy wound up having north of an 8 ERA last season, giving up more than two home runs per nine innings. He has been able to shape up quite a bit this season, giving up less than one home run per nine innings. Z walks a little bit of an issue, giving up a little bit over three blocks per nine innings, but has actually been at his best on the road with a three sixty-four Rodieri giving up three home runs at about 29 and two-thirds innings when he has been away from home and on the road. Opponent's are earning just a two twenty-three off of him. Not much of a swing and miss guy. He's only been able to get right around five and a half cuts per nine innings, but he's backed up by that great bullpen. And with the Baltimore Orioles, you do have Anthony Santander. He has been able to deliver 19 home runs. He has been able to do a good job of being able to move the line as you've got a lot of guys for this Baltimore Orioles team that are hitting in that pocket of, we're going to call it about a 247 to, we're going to call it a 261. That's awesome to say Skid kid, Santander, I mentioned, Ramon Urias. Ryan Mountcastle, Ryan McKenna, along with Cedric Mullins are in that fold, and then Trey and Mancini. Who knows what happens with him at the deadline, but he's got right around a 350 on base. He's been able to give the team a double-digit amount of formers. a Mateo, one of the best base stealers out there in all of baseball. So, I do think that you've got some relatively solid value here with the Baltimore Orioles being able to get plus 147 or greater. I'm going to be willing to take a shot here, and I do think that the Orioles bullpen is going to be able to bear down. They wind up saying my total at 7.7. 7. The Orioles have been one of your better under teams out there in baseball this season. I think that that continues looking at the under, and I'm going to be taking a. Look at the Orioles. 915, 916 on the bank. Where the Houston Astros? They play us to the Boston Red Sox. Nathan Evaldi is going to be going for the Sox, and Luis Garcia is on the bump for the Astros. Astros are between a minus 175 to a minus 180 favorite. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at Boston, getting them between plus 150 and plus 165, with 8 being your total. Overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 115. Unders between minus 105 and minus 110 with the Astros. Made them a minus 178 favorite. I needed at least a plus 115 to be able to take a shot on the run line. Currently, I'm seeing this at circa at a plus 120. So that is where I am going to be nibbling in this one with Luis Garcia. He has been giving up the deep ball a little bit too much right around 1.55 home runs per 9 innings, but I think a little bit of it has been just due to a tad bit of bad luck. You take a look at what wound up happening last season with Luis Garcia, and he was able to do a much better job of being able to keep the ball in the yard as he was giving up right around about 1.1 to 1.2 home runs per 9 innings. This year it's been right around 1.55 and a lot of it has happened at home. He's giving up 2 home runs per 9 innings at home thus far this season and has actually been able to do a solid job with the walks right around 2.8 walks per 9 innings. I take a look at the contact that he's giving up and some of it has just been a case of which he winds up having the wrong batter up at the wrong time and he just winds up getting a little bit unlucky in general as the opponent's turning a 206 overall off of him Garcia has been able to get nearly 10 strikeouts per 9 innings. I think that there's going to be positive progression there and Nathan Ivaldi has been pretty unlucky in terms of the home runs that he has surrendered as well. He's giving up right around 2 home runs per 9 innings and most of them have been at Fenway. For Nathan Ivaldi on the road he's got a 2.56 ERA 3-0 record in his decisions across 8 starts giving up 8 home runs in 45 and 2 thirds innings. That's still high but I don't that balloons at 10 bombs in 35 and 2 thirds innings and opponent's batting average on the road against him is a 2.23. so I do think that both of these pitchers have been getting the short end of the 6 the far this season. The big thing with the Red Sox is they're just completely outgunned in the bullpen. They did divide up needing to use up Garrett Woodlock on the bullpen yesterday. You've seen John Schreiber be able to give you red right round two ERA or to Casa though. He's now uh, seen his ERA balloon to a 350 over the last three days. He's been posting up a 460 ERA but more specifically post all star break ERA has been north of seven. Caleb Ord is now a guy that they're using in long relief. He's got north of a 10 ERA Jake Diekman Austin Davis. They've seen their ERAs go above four and then for the use of Seth Martinez Rob Rafael Montero throwing the Ryan Sanic. All these guys have a sub-225 ERA. Ryan Presley has been able to do a shout job in the bullpen. Now, the Astros did wind up having to go to 10 innings yesterday, so you did wind up seeing quite a few of their trustworthy guys wind up getting used up. But with that said, with the Houston Astros as well, you've got Jordan Alvarez, who has been incredible for the team. 70 RBI. He's been able to hit above a 330 bombs as far this season Then. Jose Altuve, Kyle Tucker, both providing 19 home runs apiece. Altuve sitting in that pocket about a 275 and then Yuli Guriel, Alex Bregman, El Mendes, Diaz are all hitting in the neighborhood about a 240. Was a relatively rough start to the season for Diaz, along with Yuli Gurriel. Both of these guys have been able to pick it up as Yuli Gurriel, over the last three days, he's sitting in the neighborhood about a 280 for this team. So that is encouraging. Now the entire catcher spot has been an Albatross for this Houston Astros team. Mauricio Dubon has not necessarily been able to give you too much. And then for the Boston Red Sox, just a case in which missing Rafael Devers has been massive for the team, as he is right now their leader in home runs. He's been able to provide 22, and without Rafael Devers and Trevor Story, the only guy that's been able to give you a double digit amount of home runs thus far this season, that's Bobby Dahlbeck, and he's got approximately 10 home runs now. You do have guys that are able to move the line for the team. J.D. Martinez, Christian Vasquez, both hitting above a two eighty, and then you've got Xander Bogart sitting right around a three fifteen. but some of the guys at the bottom of the fold, I'm talking about Jackie Bradley Jr., or Dahlbeck, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, Franchi Cordero, Kevin Pilecki, they're in a 223 or lower, so I do think that this is a Boston team that's relatively outgunned. I do think that Houston, though they have not necessarily been the world's greatest team on the run line, they're catching a Boston Red Sox team at the right time. They wind up getting a win yesterday, but the Red Sox full solid a break. They look like a completely lost and confused team, so being able to get plus money on the Houston Astros run line, that appeals to me. I'm going to be taking a look at that. Do you mind if saying laying Line in 8.2 as well? Garcia's been able to give up a little bit of hard contact at home. Astros have been the top under team in all of baseball thus far this season, but I do think that they're going to be able to get to Eovaldi as well, so looking at the over and looking at the run line of Houston, 917 918 on the bagging board, the Chicago White Sox they play us to the Kansas City Royals as Brad Keller is going to be going for the Royals and Michael Kopech is on the bump for the White Sox in half is your total, the over and the under ID were between minus 105, minus 115 White Sox are a minus 165 to a minus minus one seventy eight favorite, meanwhile if you're taking a look at Kansas City between plus 145 and plus 155 is your price with Kansas City I needed at least a plus 174 to be able to take a shot here. I am relatively bullish. I'm Michael Kopech, and if you're looking at the run line, finding it anywhere between about a plus 115 to a plus 120, I would need at least a plus 118, which I'm finding right now at Circa to take a shot on the White Sox run line, so I'm going to be taking a look at that with Brad Keller. He's always had some rather demonstrative home and road splits throughout his career, and for Keller good news for him is that he's worked on the walks issues a little bit, but still not necessarily the world's greatest there. He is still giving up right around 3.3 walks per nine innings, which it's sad to say that it's gotten a little bit better. And for Keller as well, he's not necessarily been the most trustworthy pitcher on the road throughout his career thus far this season. 450 road ERA, giving up about 1.2 home runs per nine innings when he has been on the road with opponents taking a 257 off of him, but just not a guy that's going to give you swings and misses either. Right around six punch outs per nine innings. Meanwhile, for Michael Kopech, his swing and miss stuff has really regressed Ever since he beginning part of his career, he's only been able to get about 8 strikeouts per 9 innings thus far this season. The big thing for Kopech is 4.6 walks per 9. That is an issue. He's given up at least 3 walks in each out of his last 4 starts, but the team has been able to win each out of his last 3 starts because he has been able to fill 5 plus innings, giving up 2 runs of fear in each out of those last 3. Now, competition was against the Detroit Tigers, the Minnesota Twins, and the Colorado Rockies, but that Rockies start was on the road, so being able to go north of 5 innings at Coors Field and not giving up a run, that's pretty darn solid for Kopech, 322 home ERA. He's been able to do a good job of being able to keep the ball in the yard, giving up one home run per nine, and he's both overall and at home. And for the Chicago White Sox, you do have Liam Hendricks, along long count both eighth and ninth inning guys. They're able to be very good for the team. They have been deal with a little bit of an injury to Ronaldo Lopez, so Jimmy Lambert has been relatively solid out there in the bullpen. Joe Kelly has been a mess. This guy still has right around about a six ERA. Seems as though he's dealing with a little bit of an injury. Honestly, that's probably an upgrade for the Chicago White Sox, so not having out there, Joe. Kelly, I think, actually helps them out. And for the Kansas City Royals, this team is deadliest in terms of bullpen ERA themselves. They had to use up their bullpen quite a bit in that series against the New York Yankees Taylor Clark. He wound up having to throw 40 pitches. He's out the fold. Jose Kuas has been relatively solid, but he winds up having to throw 18 pitches yesterday as well. Josh Shaman, ever since he's come back from injury, he hasn't necessarily been himself, so you do have a Royals bullpen that's not been great. Now, the good news for them is that they do wind up getting Salvador Perez back in the fold. That is massive for the team. He's only right around about a 210, but ever since he has come back into the fold, he's been able to give the team a pair of homers. Bobby Wood Jr., he's went deep 14 times every for Bobby Wood Jr., went healthy because he wound up having a little bit of injury concern himself. He's been able to do a solid job over the last three days. 81 at-bats, hitting nearly a three hundred, so that has been something encouraging for the team, but you do take a look at the bottom of the fold, and it's not necessarily so terrific for the team. Vinny Pasquinto, Kyle Isabel, Perez, who I mentioned a little bit earlier, Ryan O'Hearn, all these guys, in a two twenty or lower. Now, you do have a guy in Whitmerfield who, all season long, it has been a rough go of it for him, but he's been able to do a little bit of a better job for the team over the last three days. Hitting right on a 300 himself, so Royals have been able to find a little bit of fight in terms of their offense, but with the Chicago White Sox, even while you wind up having Luis Robert on the fold, this has been a team that has been able to move the line, as you've got Jose Abreu, Andrew Vaughn, throw in there, Tim Anderson, all guys are hitting at least a two ninety for this team. Anderson is going to be suspended at some point, but right now, he is appealing it, so he should be good to go in this one. You do wind up getting as money, Randall, back in the fold as well for he, A.J. Pollock, Eloy Jimenez, these guys have been banged up. It's been a little bit of a rough go of it for them, but since he will as they will get off the injured list. He's made with about a 245 for this team providing a trio of home runs and 53 at bat. Seems like he's starting to figure it out as well and I do think that the White Sox are going to be able to draw some walks against Brad Keller and I do think that they are going to be able to generate some offense. Keller right in the pitcher if it would be a lefty certainly would be feeling a little bit better about the White Sox. They've got some of the most responsive righty and lefty splits out there in baseball but with that said do mind making the White Sox right around minus 174 on the money line need at least a plus 118 to be able to take a shot on the run line and we do have that, so looking around 9 up I told that an 8.3, so gonna be taking a look at an under as well. And we wrap things up with 9.19, 9.20 on the banking board. The Arizona Diamondbacks, they're gonna be on the road, they're gonna be facing off against the Cleveland Guardians. Zach Davies is gonna be on the mound for the Arizona Diamondbacks. This was not announced until after the game wound up concluding on Sunday, and then. You are going to be having Cal Quantrill taking the bump for the Cleveland Guardians. This is a game that is presently off the board but it is going to be Zach Davies' first start in quite a while and for Zach Davies while he's been out there, hasn't been terrible this year for the Arizona Diamondbacks. 15 starts, 2-4 record, 3.94 ERA. He really didn't wind up making any minor league rehab appearances prior to coming back at this one as well so I'm not necessarily feeling too great about the Arizona Diamondbacks in this spot. This is one in which I want to Making the money line of the Cleveland Guardians a minus 167 so this is a case in which a minus 166 or less I'd be looking at the Guardians and when it comes to Zach Davies what we're going to be able to get out of him in his first start off the injury list, I'm not thinking it's going to be anything too terrific. This is going to be his first start since June 25th. And prior to going on the injury list, he was really coming into his own, giving up three runs or fewer in four out of his last five starts. Uh, he was actually looking halfway decent, but you take a look at the numbers for Zach Davies, and they seem to indicate a little bit of regression was doing from his strikeouts per nine rate, right around his seven, three walks per nine, giving up a little bit over a home run per nine innings. His fielding independent thus far this year has been a 425 compared to his 394 ERA. So, Little bit of regression, not necessarily overly much, but first third off the under list, first third a little bit over a month, that's uh, going to be a tough situation, and for Cal Quantrill, very much a guy that tries to keep things out in front of him, has been getting roughed up a little bit recently, giving up four-plus runs in three out of his last five starts, and he is always a textbook pitch-to-contact guy is his strikeouts per nine rate that is currently just below 6 He's only been giving up right around 1.1 home runs per nine innings and has really been able to shape up in terms of the walks. He was having a little bit of a walks issue earlier this season over his last, shall we say, five starts. He's been giving up right around 2.7 to 2.8 walks per nine innings, which seems to be in line with what he's been able to do overall this season, but has pitched significantly better at home rather than on the road. All five of his losses have come on the road with a 4.96 ERA, 3.19 ERA at home, and at home, he has been giving up the deep ball, honestly, a little bit more than on the road, giving up right around 1.2 home runs per nine innings but opponents in just a 231 off of Oman for the Arizona Diamondbacks. This team is in the bottom six in the big leagues in terms of batting average as you have been able to get a lot of power out of this team on the road. Right around 1.4 home runs per game on the road compared to .9 home runs per game at And Christian Walker has been the headliner for this. He's been able to supply 23 home runs. They do wind up trading away David Peralta though so I did wind up having to downgrade the Arizona Diamondbacks a little bit for that. He was sitting at 250 with 12 home runs. Don't don't Varsho still in the full 235 average, 13 home runs, and then you do have a few guys that have been able to do a better job of be able to get on base. Josh Ross, Jake McCarthy, along with Keitel Marte of the Marte Parte, all inning at least a 264 for this bunch. Alec Thomas has been able to move the line as well, and Gotta wonder if the Arizona Diamondbacks wind up moving any of their more trustworthy bullpen pieces. As you've got Joe Mantiply, a couple with Kyle Nelson. These guys have been tremendous out there in the bullpen. Sub-2 ERA on Nelson and Mantiply right around about a 235. But then you wind up getting into Noe Ramirez, Caleb Smith. These guys have been posting up north of a 4 ERA. They're looking to Chris Davinsky for innings and for Cleveland. Emmanuel Clase has been absolutely lights out for the team. They now wind up getting James Karin check back in the fold for this bullpen. And you've been able to have Trevor Steven along with Nick Sandlin provide a sub-3 ERA for the Cleveland Guardians. Certainly a team that is looking to move the line and just be able to get on base in general as they actually rank dead last in the big leagues in terms of home runs per game when they are at home. Among their, I believe now, 71, 72 home runs, just 26 of them. Alvana coming at home, but these are guys that do a very solid job be able to move the line. Oscar Gonzalez currently not with the big league level, but he, Andres Jimenez, Steven Kwan, Jose Ramirez, Amid Rosario, Nolan Jones, all these guys have been able to hit at least a 275 for the seamen. One at home, Fred Mil Reyes has been tremendous as in his 30 home games, he's been able to hit right around 300 on the road. I mean, it just winds up going down into a fiery heat, but at home, he's actually been relatively solid for this Cleveland Guardians team, so I do think that Cleveland should be a relatively sizable favorite here. Kyle Quantrill has been able to perform much better, including Cleveland rather than on the road. So, this is a circumstance in which I did wind up setting my total at an 8.7 to where an 8.5 or less I'm looking at an over 9 or higher to the under and wanted making the Guardians a minus 167 favorite. Now, we'll wrap things up. For the Monday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Visa Family of Podcasts, a big thanks to Sean Zarillo over there at the Action Network for joining me in the last segment. If you do like featuring from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we to those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore eighty one. Keep in mind, letters M. it mean, does not matter. Size per usual. Please send these into the timeline. And the other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via the five-star review coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.